this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true and living God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Get to know more of God's word and wisdom for your life as you listen to Pastor Elliot Nee Lante Lante. Now, here's today's message. We've heard really so much about grace, and I so much thank God that you had a confusion in your mind. I'm so grateful that you're confused. Because if you're not confused, it's like, oh, that's why you have not been listening to me. And if you're confused, it means you've gotten the message of grace. If you've listened to the past two sermons and you are not confused, I think you have not really heard me before. <laughs> Amen. Yeah, because the message of grace has been very central in my preaching and you, you know that very well. But I need to, I need to explain to you um, a little bit more and it's kind of a mystery so I think we'll call it a mystery of salvation or something but if we finish and you have a better way of saying it I think you would give us your title and we'll use it um, yeah amen so can we be saved can we be saved and still lose our salvation I mean that's it's I think it's that kind of a question because we are wondering can we be um, we are saved by grace and really saved and totally saved and forever saved and all that. But um, the question is, can we, can we behave anyhow? I think that's, that should be the question we should be asking ourselves. Can I behave anyhow because I'm a Christian? Or, or, or um, if I behave, if I do something wrong and I don't confess my sins, I confess my sins, I'm not sure, I don't know. Um, does it mean that I might not go to heaven or something? And I think there's a lot of confusion about that. And I, w- I, want to, I want to go through the text. And please be patient with me. Please be patient. We're going to read the text ourselves and walk through. And I believe God is going to bless us. He's going to speak to us by the end of the day. Hallelujah. Please, I would like to reiterate, I would like to state again, um, starting this, that God's will is eternal. God wants us to be with him eternally. Eternally. It is so strong. Is so strong, and that's why he sent his son to come and to die for us. Hallelujah. Amen. And in Hebrews chapter 9, we see, please walk with me to Hebrews chapter 9. We're looking at this carefully. Hebrews 9, uh, Hebrews chapter 9, the verse, ooh, the verse 12. Hebrews 9, verse 12. It says, He did not enter by means of the blood of goats and calves, but he entered the most holy place once for all by his own blood, having obtained eternal redemption. Eternal redemption means like the redemption is eternally redeemed. Amen. Eternally redeemed. Please. Are you following, please? Are you with me? Okay. Uh, So we are eternally redeemed. Eternal redemption. Now, when you look at the verse 15, When you look at the verse 15, it says, For this reason, Christ is the mediator of a new covenant, that those who are called may receive the promised eternal, again eternal, eternal inheritance. Now that he has died as a ransom to set them free from the sins committed under the first covenant. So, He says, for this reason, Christ is the mediator of a new covenant. And in this new covenant, there is eternal inheritance. So we see eternal redemption and we see eternal inheritance. 
eternal redemption, eternal inheritance. It is all eternal. It is not maybe in the mind of God. Hallelujah. In the mind of God, this is settled. He wants us so much to be with him. Amen. He wants us so much to be with him. He wants us to come to him. He wants us to spend the rest of our lives with him. Hallelujah. Amen. Death is an entry point. Death is not the end of it. In fact, in Revelations, the Bible says that for Jesus holds the keys of, of death. He went to hell and fought with the devil and took the keys from him. What the devil used to hold men in bondage, what he, hold, what he used to hold us in fear. Now, everybody fears death, no matter who you are. <laughs> I don't care what religion you, you think you belong to. If an accident is coming, it's happening now. And you see it, I'm sure you cry, God or Jesus. In fact, many people cry Jesus without knowing they are crying Jesus. I, you know, so death has been the great enemy. And Jesus has the keys of this great enemy of men. What the devil used to hold us forever in fear. Amen. So we have eternal redemption. And Jesus has, has conquered this death. And God wants us to stay with him forever. He wants us to stay with him forever. Now, chapter 10, look with me to chapter 10 of the same Hebrews. God wants us to be with him. Hallelujah. Amen, 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 amen. Are you there? Hebrews chapter 10 verse 9, it says, Then he said, I am here. Here I am. I've come to do your will. Uh, I've come to do your will. He set aside the first to establish the second. And by that will, we have been made holy. We have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. So we have been made holy. Hallelujah. Amen. But I want you to check it out again in the verse 13. Because of God's sacrifice. That was his will. The will is that Jesus would come and die on the cross and after. After he will die on the cross, all those who receive him by faith are made holy, totally holy. Amen. Okay. The verse 13. Since that time, he waits for his enemies to be made his footstool. Hebrews, we are in Hebrews, please. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 13. He waits by the right side. He sits by the right side of the Father, waiting for his enemies to be made his footstool. The verse 14 says, because by one sacrifice, he has made perfect. Now, I want you to note the word, the word very well here. He has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. Aha. This brings us a problem, but I'm not going to tackle the problem now. They are perfect, but they are being made... <laughs> in the verse 12, in the verse 10, he says, have been made holy. Down, now, down there, he's saying, are being made holy. <laughs> Hallelujah. We are before a mystery. <laughs> are you getting the first point? We are holy, then we are being made holy. We are holy, we are being made holy. 
That's a mystery. Now, the next thing I want us to look at is John chapter 6. Now, John chapter 6. We are made holy. We have been made holy. We are being made holy. It's a mystery. Yeah, you can tell somebody it's a mystery. Mysterious. <laughs> now, the verse, John 6, John chapter 6, found starts from the verse 40, uh, verse 38, John 6, verse 38. John 6, verse 38. It says, for I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. I have come down from heaven not to do my will. This is Jesus speaking. He says, I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me, his father. The verse 39. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none, of all that he has given me. Hallelujah. But raise them up at the very last day. I shall lose none. This is his will. God's will is that all those who will come to Jesus and accept him as their Lord and Savior, that they will not be lost and that they will be raised at the very last day. Hallelujah. That is the will of God. And that is the will of Jesus. And that is the will of the Holy Spirit. They all have the same will. <laughs> Amen. For, by, for my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in Him shall have eternal life. And I will raise Him at the last day. Hallelujah. Anyone who looks to the Son and believes in Him, uh, He will do what? He will raise that person up. I'm sorry, I'll have to stand. Hallelujah. Anyone who looks to the Son and believes in Him will what? Be raised up at the last day. And this is the will of the Father. The will of the Father is that the Son will lose none, including you and I, that none of us will be lost. Hallelujah. But at the same time, it seems as if when we read the text in the Bible, it seems as if it is possible that someone could be lost. It seems so. Hallelujah. It seems as if somebody could be lost. It seems as if somebody could be lost. How? Now when you read in Hebrews chapter 6, um, let me start from Hebrews chapter 3. You can see we are reading many texts today because we are on a mystery. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 3. Hebrews 3. Hallelujah. Hebrews 3, verse 6. In fact, let me even start from the verse 2. It says, 
For if the message spoken by angels, Hebrews 2 verse 2, Hebrews 2 verse 2, if the message spoken by angels was binding and every violation and disobedience received its just punishment, how shall we escape if we ignore such a great salvation? It means that there is possibility to ignore this great salvation we have been given. Hallelujah. This salvation which was first announced by the Lord was confirmed to us by those who heard him. God also testified to it by signs and wonders and various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. So we see here that somebody can lose that great salvation. Somebody can can escape. How can we escape if we ignore a great salvation? Now chapter 3 again gives us the same thing. And imagine, it is in this same text. It's in this same um, it's in this same um, Hebrews. We are reading about the eternal redemption. We are reading about every good thing that God has made us perfect and all that. It is in this same Hebrews. It's telling us that it's possible. Now go with me to the to the verse 12 the verse 12 of Hebrews 3 we're taking it gradually verse 12 of Hebrews 3 see to it brothers that none of you has a sinful and unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God hallelujah see to it because your heart can turn away from the living God but encourage one another daily as long as it's called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitful desires. Now, the verse 14 says, We have come to share in Christ. <laughs> if, aha, uh -huh, we have come to share in Christ, if, please, if the, if the book is yours, please mark the if, if the Bible is yours. If we have come to share in Christ, if we hold, if we hold firmly till the end, the confidence, the confidence we had at first. Hallelujah. We have come to share in Christ if. You see, it is God's will. It is God's perfect will. And that is why he brought his son. And that is why he has done all that he has done. That is why he has given us his Holy Spirit to abide in us. It is his will that we will be with him. But there is an if here, which the if is not on God's side. Because a covenant is on two sides. It is both the person and the other person. So he says, if we hold on to the end, the very confidence we had at first. Imagine you have proposed to a girl in the corner. You proposed to the girl in that corner you met her. And you told her, Charlie, I am going to marry you. Huh? Now, if you do proposal these days and you tell the person to marry you, I think you are off. I'm just giving a clue. Amen. Here, yeah, you have to start from somewhere before I'll marry you. Please, all brothers, please take note of such things. Now, if you get to that point, 
and you are bringing this girl to the pastor for your wedding day. And this girl shows up. But she looks like, you know, she's not even dressed. And she's like, what's, what's even going on here? Why am I being called here? When you go to her father's place to get married, to marry her, the parents will ask her, did you say yes to this thing? <laughs> did you say yes to this, uh, this man? And they will have to hear it boldly, loud and clear that yes, I said yes. It is the will of the man to marry you, but it could be the will of the other person not to marry. I get what I'm saying. So he says, it depends on you. God, the Holy Spirit, and Jesus, their will is that none will be lost. None. Until the coming of the Lord Jesus. And here, there is, the condition is on our side. If we, it's not God, if we hold on to our confidence, if we hold on to our confidence till the end of the age, the confidence we had at first. Hallelujah. Amen. I don't think you want to force a girl to marry you. I'm not sure you want to do that. I'm not sure about that. Huh? Chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4 again. Hebrews 4. The verse 2. Hebrews 4 verse 2. He says, For we also have had the gospel preached to us, just as they did. But the message they heard was of no value to them, because those who heard it did not combine it with faith. Hallelujah. It was of no value to them. It was of no value to them because they didn't combine it with faith. The verse 3 now says, Now we have, now we who have believed enter his rest. Just as he said, So I declare on oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. Hallelujah. Amen. So you can see totally that it is on God's, it is God's will that we would enter his rest and be with him. Now, the chapter 10, Hebrews 10, again, Hebrews 10, it brings up so many things. Hebrews 10, we are just reading and I'll be dealing with the issues very quickly. Hebrews 10, verse 26. If we deliberately keep on sinning, are you getting it? You propose to the girl you marry her. I want to marry you. Then you hear she's pregnant. Hey! You know you've not done anything. The Lord is with you. <laughs> How many of you are going to marry the guy and then you now just heard that he had a baby with somebody just yesterday? Hey! How many will continue with their marriage? How many will say, you know what? Let's, you know, I had a case like that just where I'm standing now. Yeah. I think I've told some of you. I was here and a pastor knocked that I'm going to marry. There's two people want to marry. So they want to see you. I said, oh, they should come. It was even late in the evening. They came. They sat down very nicely. We started talking. When I saw the guy, I was, I was shocked. <laughs> because I kind of know the guy. And he walked in with a certain lady. Wow. And I'd met somebody weeks, I think a week or two before they came. So we're talking 
and I know that he has a different one that I met that two weeks before. So we're talking, and I was feeling somehow because we're talking about marriage. I mean, the girl is so excited, you know. I mean, yeah, we're gonna marry, we're gonna marry, we're gonna be together, you know, all this stuff. So at the point, I told the pastor, you know what? I want to discuss something with this brother. <laughs> Can you go out with this lady? Let me talk face to face with him. So I said, brother, I'm congratulations. In fact, <laughs> I appreciate what you want to do. But I can't, in my right mind, I can't do this. Have you told the other girl that you are marrying this one? And he and he, the two of us knew that there was another girl. So I, I asked him, have you told this other one that you are marrying this one? He's like, no, she's not aware. Ah! And you want me to marry the two of you? I said, no, no, no. no. I'm very, very sorry. I would love to. Have you told this one that there's another girl too? Because when I met the other girl, the other girl was like, you know, I asked the other girl, are you with him? He said, yeah, we oh, cordial. Everything is very fine. We are just moving on. Life is just great. You know, great things are ahead of us, you know. So I was very surprised. Oh, so no, no, you've not told this one, you've not told the other one, but you're marrying this one. So I, I said, please, solve it now before you continue the conversation. Tell this one now that you are you have somebody else that you want to that you you don't want to be without, but she's the one you want to be with. So I just left the room quickly for them to do their talk. <laughs> yeah. And I left the pastor also with them. <laughs> I ran out. And when I came back, the wedding wasn't happening again. The girl was like, no! No, this cannot be you. No, what kind of life is this? No, this cannot be. I said, uh huh. Uh huh. Jesus is not coming for people who are not ready for him. <laughs> Hallelujah. He's not coming. You can't say, you can't force wedding on somebody. You can't force to marry the person. You cannot. No, 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 no. Hallelujah. Jesus isn't forcing to marry us. In fact, I don't think he will. The verse 26, if we deliberately keep on sinning after we've received the knowledge of the truth, no sacrifice for sins is left, but not only a fearful expectation of judgment and raging fire that will consume the enemies of God. You become even an enemy. He says, he says um, someone who loves the world is an enemy of God. Friendship with the world is enmity with God. Hallelujah. And so he says, you can, you can be in danger of fire and of judgment. You can only expect judgment and fire. But here we see God saying we are eternally saved and eternally redeemed. Yes, it is true. If we hold on to the end, the confidence we had at the beginning, I think every day. It is so normal. It makes sense to me every single day. Imagine your wedding day is appearing. It's approaching. You do countdown. Two. Countdown. Twenty. Countdown. Fifteen. Countdown. Ten. And the more the wedding is approaching, the more you are even excited and happy for the day. But imagine the day is approaching and you are not at all. You're not even sure you want to marry. 
I'm not sure the wedding will happen. Because when you come, the, wedding, the pastor will ask you, do you really want to? Are you getting it? It might not happen. So, I think it's very important for us. Hebrews chapter 6, somebody asked me this question. Our brother Eric sent me this question. Hebrews 6, verse 4. It says, it is impossible for those who have once been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift. Imagine you gave everything to this girl. You bought watch for her. You bought a, a car. You bought everything. You, I mean, she has, no, except the intimacy part, she didn't taste. But she tasted every good thing. Are you getting it? Imagine this, this, this guy, you cook for him. I mean, what have you not done? You know that you have done your very... And finally, he turns his back. Is it your fault? No. It's not your fault. All of, all of, all of you who have suffered that, it's not your fault in the name of Jesus. It's not your fault. Yeah. You carried food from wherever to you. did everything. Meat pie, cake. Hey! Still. Who have tasted the heavenly gift. Who have shared in the Holy Spirit who have tasted the goodness of the word of God and the powers of, of the coming age if they fall away to be brought back to repentance because to their loss, they are crucifying the Son of God all over again and subjecting him to public disgrace. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. I would say, please, I would say, you will have to force and make very hard efforts to go to hell. I believe with God, you have to make very, very difficult efforts to go to hell. It's not easy to go to hell, brothers and sisters. <laughs> it is so natural to go to heaven as a child of God. It's so natural to go home. Like the way you just like to go home. It's so natural. That's your home. Are you getting it? Now if you want to go back home to your country, it's very easy. But if you want to go somewhere else, you have to cross the desert. You have to cross the seas. I mean, it is very difficult to go somewhere else. But to go home is easy. It is your home. Paul says, heaven is our home. To be at home with the Lord. It is easy to be there. I really believe as a Christian, you have to make very hard efforts. Can you imagine that you've tasted all these good things? It will be very, very hard. And you have to really deliberately force to go to hell. You have to. Tasting all this stuff, all these good things about God and about his word and about his grace and his mercy and you still go out there and try and deliberately continue. You cannot. I think God will rescue you. I believe so. Hallelujah. Because the Bible says that he's able to make a stand. But it doesn't totally depend on God. That is the mystery. The will of God does not totally depend on God. It doesn't depend on him totally. It depends on us also. For his will to be accomplished. To every will of God, there's a human responsibility attached to it. Hallelujah. Amen. Are you following me, please? I know I'm talking, I'm teaching. 
<laughs> so God wants us to be with him. That is his will. That, it is, that is his peculiar will for us. Now, John again. John. John, chapter 6. The place we read, the same place. John 6. Verse 39. John 6, verse 39. The mystery. I think it will be very mysterious to be too, as a Christian to find yourself in hell. You have to really try very hard. It is not easy to be in hell as a Christian. I think it will be very difficult. And I'm going to give you the reasons why this will be very, very difficult to do. Maybe we wouldn't be able to expand on all of them. Now, the verse 39, it says, And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of all that he has given me, but raise them up at the last day. Can we all say it together? Let's all say it together. It's very, very important. Verse 39. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of all that he has given me, but raise them up at the last day. Hallelujah. The verse 40 now says, For to the Son, for whoever, for my Father's will is that anyone who looks to the Son, looks, I want you to note the word here, looks to the Son. It is a continuous verb, continuous tense, present tense uh, verb. <laughs> it's not looked and turned away. He's not looked and asking for direction and say, ha, ah, Jesus, where is the way to heaven? Show me. He says, I am the way. You will have to follow me. You have to look to me together. Hallelujah. The Father's will is that everyone who looks, looks, looks to the Son and believes, it is not believed. Ah, it is not believed. Oh, I believed. I believed in God when, you know, the pastor preached. I gave my life to, to Christ in 19, whatever. In 2000 and this thing, I gave my life to Christ. In 1980 something, I gave my life. I remember, I remember. No, 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 no. Those Jesus is coming from, is coming for are those who look, continuous looking, look to the sun. They look to the sun. Hallelujah. And they believe, continuous believe, continuously believe, and no matter what happens, continuously believing in the Son. This is what Jesus is coming for. Continuous. It's the will of the Father that we continue to look to the Son. It is a continuous thing. That's His will. God is not expecting you to look at Him one day and, you know, and, and you see, looking is different from seeing. I saw Jesus. No, most of us have dreams and visions. I saw Jesus. Ah, Jesus appeared to me in the night. Ah, I had a vision of Jesus. People I have met, I met one. He said, I have a vision. And I believe the guy that he really had a vision of Jesus. But if you look at his life now, as if you have never met Jesus. Some of us have experiences with God. And we talk about our experiences with God. But what the Bible is saying, there will the will of the Father is that we look, continuous looking. Not you saw. I saw Jesus. And he appeared to me here. He appeared to me there. Oh, the Holy Spirit, the power that came upon me. It was, and where is it? 
What life do you have to show that really God encountered you in, in time past? It is not I saw Jesus. And I know we like such stories. You know, when people come and begin to talk about how they saw Jesus, how they saw him here, how he was here, how he did this thing to them. And yes, yes, yes. So how is your life now? Because now, he says, those who look, continue to look at the sun and believe, not I believed in him some years ago, continues believing. That is why he said in the Hebrews that those who hold firm, those who hold firm till the end, those who hold firm till the end, hallelujah. So it is something that we have to hold on to. It is something we have to continually look. That is why Jesus told his disciples, you will be useless in this world. Useless in this world. Useless. You cannot bear fruit. You produce thorns and thistles. You cannot if you don't abide in me. If you don't stick to me. So he's telling us we got to look to the sun and continue in our belief. You know, Revelation chapter, chapter 3, I like it so I like it so much. There's a church that I think we'll look at very briefly one of these days, the church in, of Sardis. But I want us to look at this church, Philadelphia. Philadelphia. Jesus said something. Wow, Jesus said something. These are the words, the verse 7, church of Philadelphia. Revelation 3, verse 7. These are the words of him who is holy and true. Who holds the keys, the key of David? What he opens, no one can shut. And what he shuts, no one can open. He can open the door of righteousness, open the doors of heaven, and nobody can shut it to you. He can lock it and nobody can open it to you. Hallelujah. The verse 8 says, I know your deeds. See, I have placed before you an open door that no one can shut. I know that you have little strength. Yet you have kept my word. I have not denied my name. I will make those who are of the synagogue of Satan who, who claim to be Jews, though they are not, to be liars. I will make them come and fall down at your feet and acknowledge that I have loved you. Since you have kept my command to endure patiently, I will also keep you from the hour of trial that is coming upon the whole world to test those who live on the earth. I'm coming soon. Hold to what you have so that no one will take it from you. He who overcomes, I will make a pillar in the temple of my God. Never again will he leave it. Then he says, I will write his name, the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which is coming down out of heaven. Hallelujah. Amen. He says, he knows they have little strength, but they have not denied him. Now go to the church in Pergamon, church Pergamon in um, chapter 2. I like what he tells them to. I like what he tells them to. Thank you, Father. He says, the verse 12, to the angel of the church in Pergamon, Right, these are the words of him who has the sharp double edge 
I know where you live, where Satan has his throne, yet you remain true to my name. You did not renounce your faith in me. Wow. You did not renounce your faith in me. Even in the days of Antipas, my faithful witness was put to death in your city. Hallelujah. You did not renounce your faith in me. Amen. There's, there are other places he tells them, stand strong to the end, even if it means death. Even if it means you die. That's the kind of prayer we should be praying. That Father, may I stand strong. May I continue to look up to you in the midst of anything. May I continue to dwell in you. May I continue to believe. No matter what, whether it's past, present, future. May I continue until you show up. Until you come. That should be our greatest prayer. Hallelujah. Amen. Now, let me state very quickly the reasons why it will be very, very difficult. And I think God will sieve out. God will try to catch us. I have a sieve here. I don't know whether the demonstration really makes sense, but I'm going to do it somehow. God has, has done his very best to call us. Now, the first reason I'm going to give you why you have to force really so hard to go to hell. You have to force very hard to go to hell. Is the first reason is that God, the salvation did not originate with you. It started with God. God chose you right from the beginning before. Hallelujah. And this is the this is a sequence of salvation. This is something we have to understand. God chose you right before you were born. Do you know that even our names were written in the book of life before we were born? Hallelujah. Amen. God chose you right before our creation. Now, Ephesians chapter 1. We'll look at some of the names. I wish, yeah, you have some time now. Yeah, we're just taking our time. Just going through. Ephesians 1. Ephesians chapter 1. It says, but praise be, verse 3. Ephesians 1, verse 3. Praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless. God chose us before the creation of the world. Hallelujah. God chose us. God chose us. The other time we're reading in, uh, in Philipp, um, Acts chapter 13, and we saw those that were appointed for salvation. God had appointed before the creation of the world for salvation. Hallelujah. And even our our names that were written in the book of life were written before. There are things that were done before in the mind of God. And they were settled with him. Our salvation has a process. And God, Bible says that he chose us in his love. He chose us. Now when you continue a bit, you see, it says in the verse, the same verse form, in love, in love, he predestined us. Which is like he marked us out for, for a destination. He marked us out that we are going to arrive at this point. He marked us out that we are going to look like his son. Hallelujah. To be very hard. Very, very difficult. You have to resist the Lord. He redeemed us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ. In accordance with his pleasure and will. Hallelujah. And he says, uh-huh. In accordance with the pleasure and his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us, 
and the one he loves. Hallelujah. I believe this is what is going to happen. God is going to show forth his grace, his mercy is hard on us at the last day when you will call us and we will come forth and present ourselves before the angels, before the elders, before the saints. Everybody is going to show forth how much he's had mercy and grace on us. Hallelujah. And how he has redeemed us and set us free. So our redemption did not start with us. It did not start with just us. Oh, I just said it. I had No, no, no. God had in mind your coming before. Amen. And he had in mind that he was going to choose you in love and in his good pleasure to become his son. Now when you go to Revelations, Revelations, we'll see that it is not the day you gave your life to Christ that your names were written in the book of life. Zazo. It's not the day you gave your life to Christ that our names were written in the book of life. Revelations, uh, Revelations chapter 3. Revelations chapter 3. Hallelujah. The church in Sardis was speaking to them. Verse 4. It says, Yet you have a few people inside this who have not soiled their clothes. I love this one. Now when he says yet, it means that he was, he was telling them about a certain way they were living. He says they, they look like they are alive, but they are actually dead and all that. But he says yet. They are, you see, God sees us individually. We can all be in a group as if we are all like in a church, whatever. But God sees us individually. And he sees our clothing. He sees what we are wearing. Is it white or whatever? And here he says, yet some, there are some few people amongst you who have not sold their clothes. They will walk with me dressed in white for they are worthy. He who overcomes will like them be dressed in white and I will not blot out. Uh-huh. I will not blot out. I will not blot out his name from the book of life, but will acknowledge his name before my father and his angels. He is not going to blot out our names from the book of life. Those who are working with him. Hallelujah. Those who are looking to him. Those who are expecting his coming. Those who are believing in him. He says, I'm not going to blot out your name from the book of life. He's not going to blot out it. Now somebody will say, okay, yeah, finally when you make it when you, don't, when you don't, you know, you walk well with him and then your name will not be blotted out. But what time was the name written? Genesis, um, Revelation 17. Revelation chapter 17. At what time was your name written in the book of life? Revelation 17 verse 8. Revelation 17 verse 8. Hallelujah. It says, the beast, Revelation 17, verse 8, the beast which you saw once was and now is not and will come up out of the abyss. 
and go to his destruction. The inhabitants of the earth, whose names have not been written in the book of life, From the day they gave their life to Christ. Is that what the Bible says? What does it say? From the creation of the earth. From the creation of the world. Will be astonished when they see the beast. Because he was once, now is not. And yet, will come. Hallelujah. So our names were written in this book long ago. <laughs> hallelujah and in time we hear the gospel we are called by the gospel and we give our lives we believe in Christ and we give our lives to him all of this happens in time but before time you, your name was written long ago before amen and it says I will not blot out your name <laughs> amen hallelujah I know this pops up many questions, brings many questions to your mind, but I'm not entering there now. <laughs> God, God called us and he chose us from the beginning of creation. Hallelujah. He called us and he chose us from the beginning of creation. So the thing did not begin with you. I think it will be very, very difficult for it to end with you. You have a part to play. You should do your part. But essentially, it is not with you. It did not start with you. You didn't just hear about Christ. Say, oh, I give my life to Christ. I hear about Christ. No, 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 no. Hallelujah. He chose us. That's why he told the disciples, you did not choose me. I chose you. I chose you. Acts chapter 13 verse 48. He says, for all those who were appointed for eternal life, gave their lives, believed and gave their lives to Christ on that day. Hallelujah. We did not choose him. We did not choose him. He chose us. He called us. Hallelujah. Amen. He called you and I. He called you and I. Now, the next thing is that, so the first one, salvation did not originate with you. Amen. Salvation did not originate with you. The second thing is that salvation is a process that is handled by the Holy Spirit. It's called the process of sanctification. Jesus has given us his spirit to continue his work in us. Now, this is what you need to understand. Please hear me. Please listen to me. You can write this down. Write this down. When I gave my life to Christ, I was perfect by relationship I was perfect because of my relationship with Jesus I was perfect because the Holy Spirit came to live in my spirit in my new given spirit hallelujah so I was perfect by that relationship by my joining with Christ by being in Christ by Christ being in me I am perfect and that is why in that Hebrews we're reading, it says those that were made perfect, those that have been made perfect by the sacrifice of Christ. And they have obtained eternal redemption forever. Now, 
in this down there in the Hebrews chapter 12, it now said, those that are being made perfect. So it's like we are perfect and yet we are being made perfect. Hallelujah. So we are perfect by relationship, but we are expressing our relationship. We are expressing our perfection. Please hear this. Please hear this. It's so crucial. We express our perfection because we are perfect. And that is where the issue comes in. Because we don't express perfectly. We don't express perfectly our perfection. Hallelujah. Amen. And so sometimes you need to learn to give yourself a break. And you need to learn to work with the Holy Spirit. Because the Bible tells us that the Spirit of God works in us. Philippians chapter 2 verse 30 says, it says what God works in you, he wills in you that we may do according to his good pleasure. He wills in us to will. Hallelujah. So, so, so it's a process that God is working out, out of your spirit, out into your realm, out into your flesh, out into your environment. So you need to learn how to express your relationship, your perfect relationship. Salvation has three, has three levels. Perfection by relationship, perfection by expression, and perfection by consumption. Perfection by relationship, perfection by expression, and perfection by consumption. We will, never be, we will never be perfect as the Lord wants us to be. We, we will not be able to express so well what is on the inside of our spirit, both in terms of holiness, in power, in, in faith, all of that. We will not be able to express so well until the coming of the Lord himself. And the Bible says that we shall be like him. We shall be like him when we see him. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. And this is where it gets tricky. This is where we, be, we need to start to learn how to work with the Lord. This is where we need to learn how to overcome our will and the flesh so that the, the things that God has placed in us can find expression into our world. Hallelujah. So we are righteous by relationship. The fact that God is in us, the fact that he, we are in Christ, we are righteous by relationship. Because the Holy Spirit lives in you. The Bible says in, in, um, in Psalm 32, he says, For there is no deceit in the spirit of the man whose sins are forgiven. There's no deceit in your spirit. Your spirit is perfect. But sometimes when you look at your actions, you look at yourself, look at your outside, it's like that perfection doesn't show forth. Because you need to learn to express that perfection out. Hallelujah. Amen. I can see you expressing that perfection in the name of Jesus. And that is what we call growth. That is what we call maturity. The more we learn to express our perfection, to express the righteousness that, that is in us, that is what we call growth. That's what we call maturity in Christ. And most times we are not all at the same level of maturity. And God knows that we'll have to train, that we'll have to learn. And God knows. The Bible says that he knows that we are dust. <laughs> he knows our frame. 
He knows it. Hallelujah. Amen. So we need to learn to work with the Holy Spirit to express our perfection. And God is the one who is in charge of that. Hallelujah. Amen. Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8 has a very wonderful, it begins wonderfully with a theme that I'm so, I'm so, I'm so glad. Romans 8. Now, if you are reading this, um, I, I, I think you need to read it in the King James or something else. I don't know whether the, um, the ESV has it or something, but Romans 8, the verse 1, Romans 8 verse 1. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. The Romans 8 verse 1. It says in here, Therefore, there is now no condemnation uh, for those who are in Christ Jesus. Amen. Now, the Bible, my Bible takes it, it takes the, the, an important part and places it down. I don't know why, um, but I think you should have it in your Bible. Uh, who do not live according to the sinful nature, but according to the Spirit. Hallelujah. It says what? There is no condemnation for the, We like it. Oh, no condemnation now. I, I, there's a song like that. Yeah. There's no condemnation. We like it. But you see, he adds it here. He adds it here. Yeah, it is true. Who do not live according to the flesh, according to the sinful nature. Hallelujah. Please get this. When you came to, to Jesus, you were married to another man. Hallelujah. Before you came to Christ, you were married. You were married to somebody who was called Mr. Flesh. You were married to somebody who was not like Christ. And he was inside of you. It's called Adamic nature. But the Bible says that when you came to Christ, you divorced that man. You as the bride of Christ, you divorced him. Hallelujah. You don't even know him again. Why? Why did you divorce him? He did not go away because he wanted to go away. No, no, no. You divorced him. How? Can somebody tell me how you divorced that man? Christopher, how did you divorce that man? I know I've been talking all this while. I need to talk to you. Dr. Gray. Dr. Gray. How did we divorce that man? Yes, can somebody tell me? Okay, I'll give you money if you say it. I'll give you money. I don't know how I'll send the money to you, but one day <laughs> it can come to you. Yes, how did we divorce that man? Can somebody tell me? This is very crucial. Yes. Yes. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, by uh -huh. dying. By what? By dying. Uh-huh. What do you mean? Explain. Like, um, when I gave my life to Christ, uh -huh. I died, and so by virtue of that, I was separated from the Aha. Uh -huh. Bible says that that man that you were married to, 
died. Please, when that man died, can you still be married to him? Eh? No? <laughs> that man died. You can't be married to him again. And even the law that binds the two of you together, which was the law of Moses, which was the old covenant, it says that covenant is broken. It is not even working again. Hallelujah. So you are now free to now marry who? Jesus, your new law. Please understand. Please understand. Hey, now, it is even wrong can you imagine that that man died? Now you have affections for that man. Hey! How do you think somebody will have affections for a dead man? Oh! <laughs> the man died and you have affections. I mean, there are things moving your body like this. It's going your body like this. Say, I miss this man. No, the man died. He died long ago. So you reckon by faith that when you came to Christ, that old man died. So you no longer live according to him. You can't sleep with him and get children for him because he's no more. Oh, it's making sense. It's making sense. Lord Holy Spirit, you are helping us. Thank you, Jesus. It is making sense. Hallelujah. The man, the man, you say who died? It is the man who... <laughs> The old nature died with Christ on the cross. Hallelujah. Bible says that Adamic nature that was in us died. Our old self, selfish, it died on the cross. So you don't have time to be producing with him. You don't have time to have intimacy with him to begin to be having fruit for him. Hallelujah. Your time of having fruit with him has passed. It is he's dead. What are you doing with him? No. No. That is why every marriage ends with death. It doesn't continue in eternity. God is very smart. It's as soon as the person dies, it is done. No matter what. We just share property. Maybe you get some, maybe you don't even get some. But it is done. Are you getting it? So when that man died, the man who used to sin. The man who used to produce all this, you know, uh, stealing, cheating, pornography, you know, all this stuff. No. And that is why you cannot even have affection. You see, when you get married, then, it is not even right to be having affection for another person. Are you getting it? Because it is not, you are not supposed to have, you, it's when you come and marry. One day the Lord told me, when you come and marry, you are dead to every other woman. Think very well before you come home. Think very, very well before you come. You are dead to every other woman. You cannot be alive. Are you getting it? That is the meaning that you are married. Can you walk, walking on the street, you say, Charlie, this girl here. <laughs> the girl is very nice. <laughs> hey, are you alive? <laughs> no. You are dead to every other woman. And you are only alive to your spouse. You chose one. Are you getting it? Uh-huh. So you cannot be alive to somebody else. Sisters and brothers, you cannot be alive to any other person. That is what marriage is. 
So it is very, that's why adultery, that's what Jesus said. If there is adultery, if there's, the man is unfaithful or the woman is unfaithful, the marriage can what? Can end. Because it, is, it has broken everything of it. You cannot be, because you said, you see, when you come for your wedding day, I'll let you just look around the whole building. See, check all the girls who are working. In fact, I'll let the girls stand around. I'll let them just show signs. <laughs> yeah. And I'll say, check them. I say, if ever this, any of these ladies provoke anything in you, ah, you are in trouble. Eh? You are not supposed to have affection for them. You should have affection for who? For your spouse. For your wife. Huh? You marry the man with one pack. Please be there. Don't say you see, I've seen one with two. Hey, this one has three packs. They, ah, I wish my husband could have three packs. <laughs> no, no, no. All of that is over. You have only one. You chose one pack. Please stay with it in the name of Jesus. And be content where you are. Are you getting it? Yeah. So, we died. We died. Um, the old man died. We cannot be married with him again. That's what Romans chapter 7 is all about. We died. When, when Christ died, that man died. And our certificates, our, our divorce certificates were signed. It is over. We don't have a life with him again. Now we are living a life with who? With Jesus. And Jesus is our new husband. And we have intimacy with him. And that is why, that's why it's important to marry and you have to do it in front of Jesus. Because now all your spirit and your soul belong to who? To Jesus. And your body belongs to Jesus. You are married to him. So you have affections for him. When you begin to have affections for somebody else, you have to bring you to him and say, God, am I permitted? Can I share my body with this person? And that is why marriage has to be done before him. Hallelujah. And he will give you permission to share your body with him. And there he says, the two, when they lie together, they have become one flesh, not spirit. No, not spirit. Because every spirit to give account is one flesh. It's the joining of one flesh. It's not spirit. The two spirits still belong to to Jesus. They are still with him. Hallelujah. Amen. So marriage is a very powerful thing because marriage teaches us about this thing. And Paul just took it in chapter 7 and knelt it down. He just told us that guy is dead and here we find ourselves with a new guy. So please, when this new guy, when this old man is dead, we begin to live out a new life. We begin to produce fruits of righteousness fruits of joy, fruits of love, and all that. And we live out, we express our perfection. But we do that gradually. Hallelujah. Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 5. Hebrews chapter 5. Hebrews is such a powerful book. Hebrews chapter 5. Thank you, Father. Hebrews 5. Hebrews 5. Thank you, Father. You see in Hebrews 5, 
Are you there? It says in the verse 11, Hebrews 5 verse 11. It says, we have much to say about this. Some would like to read. I think I've been doing too much of the reading. You are free to read if you like to. Wow, Jonas, it's good to see you. Wow. <laughs> it's been long. Wow, I'm happy to see Jonas. Yes, who would like to read for us? Hebrews chapter 5. Yes, uh -huh. Joe, continue. Yes, Joe, God bless you. Yeah. Verse 11. Joe, we can't hear you. Uh huh. Start again, verse 11. Uh huh. Hebrews 5, verse 11. Hey, Joe, we can't hear you again, or? Hi. Yeah, uh huh. Okay, I think there's an issue with the mic. Um, okay, so let me read from here. Or somebody else will read for us. Who else would like to read? Yeah, Harriet. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Of whom we have much to say and hard to explain. Mm -hmm. Since you have become dull of hearing. Mm -hmm. For how by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the things. In fact, though by this time you ought to have, you ought to be teachers. How many feel like you ought to be teachers by this time? Eh? How many feel you ought to be teachers by this time? I know you're on camera, you don't want to raise up your hand, but yeah. You ought to be teachers by this time. Huh? You can see some people behind me here, they all ought to be teachers. Yeah. You need somebody, someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. Continue, please. And you have come to need milk and not solid food. You need milk and not solid food. Verse 13. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness. Mm. For he is a thing. But mm -hmm. solid food belongs to those who are of full age. Mm -hmm. That is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised. Hallelujah. So the teaching about righteousness, it is what? It is the food for the mature. Hallelujah. It is what the mature needs. And you can see here in the chapter 6 verse 1, it begins to list the food of the milk, which is faith in God and all that. Um, he says we are going to move on to maturity. We are going to move on to the things that will make us solid and strong. And I think that is where we are. Uh, God has forgiven you and all that. They are the food of the milk. They are milky food. But when you have to walk in righteousness and, and train yourself to know what is good and what is evil and move away from it, it is, you are becoming mature in Christ. Hallelujah. The fact that you are still taking on milk and you are still falling doesn't mean that you are not God's child. It doesn't mean that you are not God's child, no. But God is expecting you to grow. It's a process. Those who are being made perfect. Hallelujah. 
is expecting growth. And sometimes we've taken too long to grow. We've heard it over and over and over and over, and we are still not working with Christ in the way we should. And I believe this is the time for us to create ourselves and to work with the Holy Spirit to cooperate with Him. Hallelujah. And to discern what the will of God, what the will of the Lord is, and to do accordingly. Amen. Um, Ephesians chapter 5 tells us the same thing. Ephesians 5 tells us how we need to be careful in such times to wake up uh, those who are slumbering. Ephesians 5 verse 15 says, Be very careful then how you live. Ephesians 5 verse 15. Be very careful. How many are being careful of how they are living? How many are being careful of how they are living? I mean, really, this is, this is the food of the mature. Huh? This is the food of the mature. How many are being careful of how they are living? Can you raise up your hand if you are being careful? Like sincerely, you are being careful of how you are living. Careful of the time you are sleeping. Careful of the time you are waking up. Careful of the period your temptation is strongest. Eh? Are you careful of the time your, temp- your temptation is strongest? That you've learned to, to manage yourself. No, no. If I stay up by, by 12 a.m., no, I'll watch pornography. No, by, a, by 10, I should be in bed. I should be sleeping. Are you getting it? Yeah. By, by, by four, I'm awake. I'm praying. I mean, you are careful of the way you are living. How many are careful? If, I don't know. I don't know how to explain what I'm saying again. Are you getting it? You are careful. You know that when you go to that boy's house, you know very well. It has happened over and over and over and over. And you are still going there, taking your two legs, walking nicely into his house, into his room. Say, oh, I just came to say hi. It is not hi. We don't need your hi. I getting it. You know very well that when you go to that room, you will go and sleep with him. You know very well. Yes, you take your two legs. Are you being careful of how you are living? It is, it is, it is that. You say, oh, we don't, we don't get very far. But how, well, how far is far? Hallelujah. Yeah, I don't know how to say it again. How far is far? I don't know how far is far again. Amen. We need to start to be careful of how we are living. And that is, that is for the mature. And Jesus is not coming for a small... You see, nobody who is not matured yet gets married. Aha. Uh-huh. You need to be mature. Even if you are not mature, at a certain age, they might not even register your marriage. They won't register it. It will not be registered. Yeah. Because we all realize that it needs a certain level of maturity. Jesus, Jesus is not coming to mature, marry infants. He's not coming to marry... No. He needs us to be mature. And one of the ways is by being careful of how we are living. Sometimes it's just, just, just being careful. That's all. Just being careful. You just know this is not the way. If you go this way, this will happen to you. And you just know it. And I know that is difficult. But the Holy Spirit is working with us. Hallelujah. We are learning to express our perfection by being careful. He says, let's keep in step with the Spirit. If we live in the Spirit, and the Spirit is in us, let's keep in step with the Spirit. Hallelujah. Galatians 5, 16. Now the 15 here, verse 15, it says, be very careful then how you live. Not as unwise, as wise. Making the most of every opportunity because the day are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, 
but understand what the Lord's will is. Understand what the Lord's will is. Don't get drunk on wine. That leads to, to partying and all these you know, things that happen in parties. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord. Always giving thanks. Hallelujah. Walk in the Spirit. Walk in the Spirit. And learn to submit. Verse 21, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Amen. So this is how you, you, it is a process. You have to know that you are living in a process. And the Holy Spirit is working with you. Hallelujah. In fact, Bible says that God is able to make a stand. I like that verse. Let me just show it to you. Romans 14. Let me just show it to you very quickly. I don't know whether I will even see it. Romans 14, the verse 4. I, I like two verses here. Romans 14, verse 4. It says, who are you to judge someone else's servant? Romans 14, verse 4. To his own master he stands, or falls. And he will stand. For the Lord is able to make him stand. It's like God will make us stand. Hallelujah. What is he asking you to do? Look up to him. Just look up to him. Just look to him. He will make a stand. I believe, I really, that's what I'm saying. I believe so much that if we do this, just look up to him and keep believing that he will take care of us. I believe so well that we'll stand. We'll be able to make it. Hallelujah. And we'll keep expressing ourselves. We'll keep expressing. Maybe used to lie before. But realize that as we've been working with him, Gradually, the line is leaving you. Hallelujah. Maybe it takes the least thing to lie. It's just like water. It flows from your mouth. Hallelujah. Amen. Yeah. Maybe you know that. But you are gra- and sometimes you need to find out why, why do you easily lie? Why do you easily lie? Are you afraid of people? Are you afraid of losing their their respect for you or how they see you, that you need to find out. You need to begin to live for the Lord. Not for yourself. Not for... But have to live for the Lord. It, it should be important how the Lord sees you, not how others see you. And that is a big problem with us. And this gets us into so many issues. Because we are always after how people see us. Whether people will accept us. Whether we will be in the good books of people. And so because of that, we easily lie. And the list just goes on and on. But God is able to make us what? Stand. And he will make us stand. Why? Because did we call ourselves at the beginning? No. Did we make ourselves Christians? No. He called us. He called us. So he will make us stand. I don't know. If God will make somebody stand, I don't know how hard you have to try to go to hell. Like, you really have to try very, very hard. You really have to try very hard. Hallelujah. And some of us are trying very hard. Trying very, very hard to frustrate Jesus. 
Try very hard. Say, Jesus, I'll show you. You say you can save people. Eh? You try me. Try to save me. And say, maybe you have not tried my own. They are trying very hard to frustrate him. He's trying to get you this way. He said, no, 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 I'll go the other way. Hallelujah. He will use another tactic. I'm coming to the next tactic. And he'll probably catch you there. If he doesn't catch you on the last one, then that's one you are gone. Amen. But he will use another tactic to catch you. I don't want him to catch us on that last tactic he uses. I want him to just, just work with our hearts. Amen. And just encourage us and move us on. Let's be soft, looking up to him. The verse 7, Romans 14, verse 7. I love the verse 7. It says, For none of us live to himself alone. None of us die to himself alone. You don't live for yourself alone. You don't die for yourself. <laughs> you don't live for yourself. You don't die for yourself. If we live, we live to the Lord. If we die, we die to the Lord. It's like your life is married. Do you know why? I don't know. Marriage is wonderful. You all marry in the name of Jesus. In fact, you should all marry. Are you getting it? Do you know when you marry from, maybe you marry from somewhere else. Some of you are trying to cross borders. When you cross a border and you marry and you go, you know the man places his name on you. If your name is Kabozwe, something. Nana Kwame. I mean, Abena. They will take away the Kabozwe and probably keep the Abena. And if Mr. Um, Eric something, eh? Eric Brown. <laughs> if Mr. Eric Brown married you, Mr. Eric Brown will place his name on you. So he will now make, call you Abena Kwabena Brown. Something. <laughs> How many like the brown? <laughs> yeah. What does that mean? What does it mean? What does it mean? What does it mean that he has placed his name on you? Huh? What does it mean he has placed his name on you? <laughs> Someone says a title deed. <laughs> it's possible. It means that you belong to him. You will not like to hear it, but maybe, I, maybe one day I'll start to teach about marriage. You may not come for the marriage course. <laughs> but yeah, that's the truth. You belong to him. And wherever he is, there you will be. Wherever, he die, wherever you, you die, if you die where he is, that's where you'll be buried. If he, chose, if he chooses to go to Tanzania, you'll be with him in Tanzania. Yeah. If he chooses to go to Botswana, you'll go there. Sao Tome, you'll be with him on the, on the seas. Swimming. <laughs> yeah. If he chooses to be in, in uh, Jamaica somewhere, Grenada somewhere, you'll be there. If a coconut falls on your tree, to fall on the two of you. <laughs> anyway, you, you belong to him. So we, so I don't know, I, 
These days, I feel like driving this down because it's like we are married to him. We don't live for ourselves. We live for him. And if we die, we die for him. That's It's just it. And so he will make us stand because we are for him. Hallelujah. And we look up to him. I don't know. If you wake up, don't think of morning devotion again. Think, just, just, just think of living normally with him on a daily basis. Talk to him. Hallelujah. He's your husband. He's your wife. He's your husband. You are his wife. As we say, you are his wife. Hallelujah. The last thing, the last thing the Lord does you really fight very hard to go is that he will bring judgment to correct you. That is if you persist. And I think sometimes it's very hard for us to hear that. He will bring anything. He will bring anything. And, and you remember in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, Paul says, for judgment has started with the church. We are being judged now, so that we will not be judged later. Uh, and Bible says that discipline is from our Father who is in heaven. And we have to, sometimes the disciplines are not very interesting. But it's part of what he does as a father. Hallelujah. To discipline his children so that we don't go off. Sometimes he disciplines us. When you read the whole book of Revelations, it talks about the deeds and it talks about some of the disciplines that he brings alongside. Amen. Now, I want us to read a few of them. Um, you remember the guy who was sleeping with his father's and you saw the discipline that was given to him. Uh, and um, the Lord will do anything. He will do everything to bring you to repentance. And probably, I'm sure, I'm sure you repent. Hallelujah. Yeah. You repent. Revelation 2, Revelation chapter 2. Thank you, Father. Revelation chapter 2, the verse 20. It says, Nevertheless, I have this against you. You tolerate the woman Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess. By her teaching, she misleads my servants into sexual immorality and eating of food sacrificed to idols. Hallelujah. I have given her time to repent. Of her immorality. Sometimes God is just giving us time. I pray that you not, you not, ex <laughs> you not strain his emotions. You not strain his patience. I've given her time to repent of immorality, but she is unwilling. May the Lord not find us unwilling. Do you know why I'm, I'm coming to the problem? But let me just mention it here: unwilling. God cannot force our will. Like, 
That's the thing I see with God. He can't force us to do his will. Hallelujah. He can't force us. Like he wants you to do this, but he can't force you to do what he wants. Because he has, he has ordered, ordained himself not to touch our will. Because he wants us to love him freely out of our hearts. Not for something. Not because he's forcing us. So that's why we need to learn to lay down our will and to do his will. So he begins to bring revival or talk to us or lead us, you know, and all that so that we would yield to his will. Works in us to, to will. But if we don't, then he's forced. And, and I, I, feel, I feel so painfully forced because I know what it feels for me to discipline my children. Because if I don't discipline them, somebody outside will have to discipline them. Maybe the police will have to discipline them. And that will be more painful. I prefer to do it myself. But if he's still doing it, it's painful. And I think it pains the heart of God that he has to discipline us. So he says, she's unwilling. She's unwilling. So I will cast her on a, on a bed of suffering. May the Lord not do that to us. Amen. May the Lord not have to force us. Huh? May the Lord not, not have to force us to stop what we are doing that we know he's been telling us to stop. And I don't, I don't like it. But if he loves us so much that if he has to do something like that, if he has to do something to, to bring us back to normal so that we come to our senses, he will be forced to do it. Because of his love. When I discipline my children, it's not because I don't love them. I love them. Because I think that if they are disciplined outside, if I don't discipline them, and they are disciplined outside, it will be, it will be worse. They might be in prison and never come out. And especially in the country where I find myself, I need to discipline them even more so they behave well. And I think that's the point. He's forced because sometimes we are unwilling and he has vowed with himself never to touch our will. That's the difficulty. That's, that's, that's the mystery with it. So sometimes he's forced. I'll cast her on a bed of suffering and I'll make those who commit adultery with her suffer intensely unless they repent. So it's like, you'll be suffering until you say, no, no, no. You see, sometimes that's how we are human beings. Jonah was suffering in the fish. And there, due to his suffering, he said, I repent. Unless they repent of their ways. I'll strike your children. It's like, the first one, if you don't repent, it is going to continue. <laughs> I'll strike your children. Father, have mercy. Father, have mercy. Then all the churches will know that I am he who searches the hearts and the minds. And I will repay each of you according to your deeds. Hallelujah. I think there are places where we struggle in our lives. We need to talk to the Lord about it. And be honest with him and say, Father, I, I, want, I need help. I want to come out of this. I want you to help me. And you'll be telling you what you should do. The Lord always tells us what to do. Looking up to, he, he tells us. 
Hallelujah. And if you follow it, you come out well. And many, many down the lane, he tells them, keep reading. And you see, he tells them, I will do this. I will do this. I will do this. If you don't change, I'll do this. If you don't change, I'll do this. And I don't want the Lord to have to bring any of this to us. I believe finally that the Lord is very, very patient. Go with me to Jeremiah chapter 25. Jeremiah 25. I think I'll be finishing with this. Jeremiah chapter 25. Thank you, Father. Jeremiah 25. You, you will have to be very, very strong to overcome the yielding of the Holy Spirit. You have to be very, very strong to, to even still be stubborn. I say you have to force a lot to go to hell. Yeah. It is evident we can end up there, but I think you have to force a lot. Yeah. Jeremiah 25. Jeremiah chapter 25. Let me start from the verse 1. The word of God came to Jeremiah concerning all the people of Judah in the fourth year of Jehoiakim, son of Josiah, king of Judah, which was the first year of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon. Verse 2. So Jeremiah prophet, the prophet said to all the people of Judah, to all those living in Jerusalem, for 23 years, listen up, this, this was shocking for me, for 23 years, from the 13th year of Josiah, son of Ammon, king of Judah, until this very day, the word of the Lord has come to me, and I have spoken to you again and again, but you will not listen. <laughs> Can you see how many years was God, has God been talking through Jeremiah? Huh? 23 years. 23 years. God is very, very patient. Oh. Can God be talking to people 23 years? Can take 23, tell you about the same thing. Ah! God is too merciful. He's too patient. Hallelujah. Amen. And though the Lord has, set, has sent all his servants, the prophet, to you again and again, you have not listened or paid attention. You have not listened. They said, turn now, each of you, from your evil ways and your evil practices, and you can stay in the land the Lord gave to you and your ancestors forever and ever. But they will not listen. The verse 7. But you did not listen to me, declares the Lord. You have aroused my anger with what your hands have made, and you have brought harm on yourself. I believe the Lord is very, very merciful. I don't know. He will not never, ah, he will never leave us. He will never leave us to be destroyed. But I believe if he gets very serious and he has to bring something, although he hates evil, it's like the good is doing us doesn't mean anything. We will force him to have to use another means. And all of that will still be to save us. 
and to deliver us. Hallelujah. Amen. So, it's a mystery, but we can see we are unfolding the mystery. Let me leave you with Romans 11. Let me leave you with Romans 11. You need to continue to look up to the Lord and to believe in Him. These are the two things He requires of us. As you work out your salvation. The verse 19. Romans 11 verse 19. Romans 11 is just a very powerful book. And uh, I like the verse, chapter 9 to chapter 11. I think one day we'll be dealing with it. And I think some of you have questions related to this part of the Bible. But it's because of time we can't go into it. The verse 19 says, You will say then, branches were broken off so that I could be grafted in. The verse 20, granted. The branches that were broken off were the Israelites. They were the true branches. They were broken off. And we, the wild olive tree, we were also engrafted in. But they were broken off. The verse 20. They were broken off because of unbelief. And you stand by faith. We stand by faith. Hallelujah. Do not be arrogant. Do not be, but be afraid. Do not be arrogant, but be what? Afraid. For if God did not spare the natural branches, he will not spare you either. He will not spare you either. They fell because of unbelief. And we all know what happened to the Jews and the difficulty they went through. And he says, we should be afraid. I think that's one of the main places in the Bible we see we are being asked to be afraid. Because in all other places, we are told not to be afraid. The verse 22. Consider therefore the kindness and the sternness of God. Kind. Kindness. Hallelujah. Bible says it is the kindness of God that brings us to repentance. It's God's kindness that brings us to repentance. But don't consider just the kindness that brought you to repentance. Consider also what? The sternness. Consider how God can be straight and very um, serious. We are such that each time we are shown kindness, we like to play with it. Consider therefore the kindness and the sternness of God. Kindness, sternness to those who fell, but kindness to you, provided that you continue in his kindness. Ah, how many times is the Bible putting if? Provided. Provided that we continue. Hallelujah. His part, his part of, the, of, of, the conf, of the contract is assured. Our part will have to be assured. His kindness will continue, but we have to continue in his kindness. Hallelujah. We have to hold on. We have to hold on and hold on and hold on and hold on. But if we fall, the Holy Spirit will help us to rise up and to walk again. He will teach us how to walk. He will be talking to us. But if we make it more difficult for him, I think other things will come that we don't want to experience. 
but sometimes it, it comes. Hallelujah. And I don't think we want to get there. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. So I want to remind you that God has a great plan that did not start with us. It started with him. The first reason is that you did not start with you. Your names were written long in a book of life. And God, if anything, he will have to be forced to erase. <laughs> yeah. I don't think he wants to at all. It did not start with us. And it did not end with us. Amen. The next thing we see is the fact that it's a process. We are learning to walk in Christ. We are perfect in our being, but we have to express that perfection. And it's a growth process, a maturing process. Sometimes you have to leave the kind words of God, the kindness. Oh, God has forgiven all your sins. It's true. So you have to leave all that and look at what? The sternness of God. And you can see the reason why all these questions have come up in your heart is because we've been looking at what? The sternness of God. You ask yourself, where is the kindness of God? He told us he's kind. Yes. He's kind. So far as we continue in his kindness. We should find out how to live by the grace of the Lord. We should be wise in our living. Be careful and walk with the Holy Spirit. And lastly, if we do fall and we are so stubborn, I think he will use, employ other means that he hates, he doesn't want to get us back to normal. Amen. But we still have to remember that the Bible wants us that we can fall off. And I think we've looked at that. May the Lord richly bless you. May he protect you. May he help you. There are three things I want you to hold on to. Three things. Every single day when you wake up, hold on to these three things. Hold on to truth. Hold on to the will of God. He says we should look up to him. I think we should look up to these two things. Truth. Ask him what is true so that we don't fall into a lie. Next thing is to look up to his will. What do you want us to do? After you see his truth, ask him, what should I do? You have to put away your will to do his will. When you see the truth, do that battle of putting away your will to do his will. I'm very excited to be moving to the book of Philippians um, very soon. And um, it deals with this issue. We have to put away our will to do the will of the Father. And it's a battle. It's a battle. It's kind of the midfield you have to play. Amen. But look up for the truth every single day. Because the devil likes to get us at the truth level. He likes to lie to us. So we need to find out the truth. Secondly, battle to lay down your will and do the will of the Father. Thirdly, keep your faith. Trust him that as you do his will, as you do his will, he will take care of you. Trust him. Trust him. Trust him. Maybe you feel tempted to lie. Maybe you feel tempted to cheat. Trust him. Look out for the truth. You feel tempted to watch pornography. You know that it's not true. It promises satisfaction that you know in a few minutes it will leave you behind and it will start mocking you. You know very well. 
Hold on to the truth. Understand the will of the Lord. Put aside your will and do his will. We read the last time in 1 Peter chapter 3 that we should be controlled by the will of God. Be controlled by God's will. Put aside your will and do his will. These are the three areas we battle. These are the three areas the Christian fight is on. Truth, the will, and faith. Truth, the will, and faith. These are the areas, if you pay attention to these things, you walk holy and blameless before our Lord. Hallelujah. God richly bless you. I know it's been quite long, but um, I needed to go through this, and probably I'm sure there are still questions would like to have. Um, the other questions we have, but I think we'll deal with them with time. I think one of the obvious questions is, if God chose me before, why is my friend not chosen? Why is this person not chosen? And I think it's an obvious question that comes up. I'll deal with that um, in, a, in a different time. Amen? But today is for those of us who are chosen to make sure that we can get there we can follow him as he wants us to do. God bless you. God bless you. Have a wonderful time. Shall we pray? If there's no question or if there's no comment, I think we'll just pray. And then you can send me your questions also. And we can look at them as we move on. God richly bless you. Shall we pray? Father, we are so grateful for the opportunity we have. Thank you that you have given us this word of yours. Thank you that you don't leave us nor forsake us. Thank you that our eternity with you is secure. And Lord, that we have to even do so much and force so much to get out of your will. Father, we thank you. We ask for your grace and your mercy even as we move on. We ask the Lord that you speak to us. May we walk in your kindness, Father, and not know your sternness. May we walk in your grace and not your judgment. May we walk in your favor in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. And not your discipline, Lord. I pray, Lord, give us soft hearts. May our hearts be as that of a child. And Lord, please help us. May we never be disgraced, O Lord, in the name of Jesus. We thank you. We bless your name. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. We believe you have been blessed by today's message. Connect with Pastor Elliot Lamte on our Facebook page, Family of Champions International Ministries, and join our service live each and every Sunday on Facebook. Now we commit you to God and the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. Stay blessed.